Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. Glad you're here and glad you're ready to study the Bible for a little bit. That's what we do each week for 30 minutes is take viewers' questions and try to find answers to them. You'll notice there's a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen. Use those anytime you want to get in touch with us and tell us what you'd like us to talk about and we'll try to find you an answer. We get all kinds of questions. Uh, some of them are very directly about the Bible and some are more about life or current events and wonder what the Bible has to say about it. So we'll try to find answers to just about anything. So let me introduce my partner here, Toby Levering. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Steve. I'm Steve Tandy and we're ready to try to answer as many as we can today and uh, well, we start with one for our viewers. So let's give you one today. How many men did Gideon take to war? Very interesting story about how he picked his army, and we'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program, see if you know that little bit of Bible information. All right, crosses. We're supposed to have a cross with us? Well, that's as the viewer wants to know. <laughs> they ask, what does the Bible say about having a cross in your home or car? Well, perhaps you... Our person who has a cross uh, hanging on the wall of your home, or uh, perhaps it's you have I've seen hanging from the rearview mirror of some cars, or there on the dash. And person wants to know, well, is there a problem with this? And some of you might be watching and wondering, well, what would be the problem with that? Or uh, maybe you do have a problem with that. Uh, the main issue it has to do with is some people have a a real thing about the idea of a of, of a graven image or putting up, making an image to represent God. And in the past, of course, with people, the Israelites uh, got tempted and, and pulled into a lot of idol worship. And there's a few commands that deal with not making an idol and not uh, making, trying to make an image out of uh, the invisible God. And so some people do have a conscientious uh, problem with uh, having any cross or symbol that uh, might represent God in some form or fashion. Uh, the Bible doesn't really mention specifically crosses. Um, crosses, of course, as Jesus died on the cross, we understand that, but that was not a religious symbol by any means at that time. Uh, that was a, 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 the symbol of death and, and a cruel death and a humiliating death at that. So it wouldn't have been a, an issue for the first century Christians because that wasn't really uh, the symbol that they chose to identify with. In fact, the symbol that they chose to identify with was uh, the fish. Um, the Greek word for fish is ichthus. You take that in an acronym, it means Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. And it's, uh, so they kind of use that symbol as a way of identifying and marking people of the way. Kind of interesting history there, but as far as crosses, that for a, a religious uh, meaning, there wasn't any of that that happened in the uh, at the time the Bible was written. So, um, I, I guess my answer to it is it could be a problem 
if you let it be. Uh, an idol is, or a graven image is the attempt to make an image of God. And so if the cross is an idol, and you come in and you worship it and, and you uh, treat it with special reverence and, and holiness, then yes, that's a problem and, and you shouldn't do that. Uh, however, for most people, I don't think they view the cross in that way. I think they you know, see it on a wall or maybe on a, in a church building or uh, perhaps even in their car and it's just a reminder of who they are and who God has called them to be through Christ. And I don't think there's anything wrong at all with that. Uh, you see sometimes people wearing them as necklaces, jewelry, uh, <coughs> tattoos in different forms. Um, I, I think it, if you use it as a reminder of who you are and who God has called you to be, uh, then that is fine. If you're worshiping it, if you're paying more reverence to it than you ought to, if you're substituting in some sort of way that for God, uh, then that is a problem. So uh, I guess the answer to that is uh, the Bible doesn't say very much about having a cross because they didn't use it. And w what should we do today? Well, it depends all in how you look at it. So uh, I hope that's helpful to you. All righty. Thank you, Toe. we got a question about <clears throat> Jesus healing people. It starts with why, which is always a problem for us. Why did God or Jesus do something is usually out of our purview, but we'll try. Why did Jesus tell people he healed, uh, tell people that he healed, not to tell anyone? Well, he did that a few times, so not very many, but a few times in the Bible there are cases where he healed somebody, a blind man or a lame man or somebody, and said, now, okay, go on your way and don't tell anybody about this. Well, it does seem kind of strange when he says that, but first of all, bear in mind, he didn't do that very often, uh, very rarely. Uh, why he did that, the Bible doesn't say, so let me offer a few guesses. Uh, the first one, maybe, is related to what he told his mother, and let's look at that verse in uh, John chapter 2. In John chapter 2, she asked him to do a miracle, and he answered her this way. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. So in that case, he told her, I don't want to do a miracle right now <clears throat> because it's not time for me to do miracles. Well, he understood the God's timing and what was going to happen and all that. Now he did end up doing it because she was, after all, his mother. So <laughs> he pretty much had to. Uh, but... Uh, the point is there's some time relationship of when he was going to reveal himself and all that. So maybe uh, he told some of the people he healed, don't let this out because he didn't want any more publicity. Uh, second possibility is very close to that. Uh, it wasn't his purpose to heal people. He didn't come to get the biggest crowds he could for a healing service. Uh, yes, he healed some people. Uh, out of compassion, and he healed some to prove that he had the power of God. Uh, but his was not a healing ministry, and he didn't really need bigger crowds. In fact, we read a lot of instances where the crowds were so great that he had to escape, uh, that you know, he had to get in a boat and go somewhere. He couldn't even get into the house to eat uh, because there were so many people around the house. So maybe he told some of these people, don't tell people about this. I don't need any more crowds. There's plenty of thousands of people following me already. 
so those are the two best ideas, perhaps. I did think of a third one when I was thinking about it. Maybe he was trying to save them some trouble uh, because he knew that when somebody heard that a blind man had been healed, uh, the paparazzi were going to come out and the news media would be all over him. Uh, we want to see the blind man that Jesus supposedly healed. And so he just told some of them maybe you'd be better off if you keep this to yourself and you won't have near as much trouble in life. So uh, that may be a little far-fetched, but maybe it was a reason. Point is, the Bible doesn't tell us why, uh, so we got a few guesses there. <laughs> okay. Uh, next, a viewer asked the question, Are Jesus and Michael, the archangel, the same? My answer to that, no, absolutely not. Jesus is much, much higher than any angel. Now, uh, angels aren't, angels is one of those topics in the Bible that it tells us just enough to make us curious, but not enough for us to be able to fully understand. Um, and Michael is one of those angels that seems to be at the high, you know, the archangel, and he seems to be the leader in some sort of way and has some strength and some ability. So how all that works, a lot of it's just speculation, just piecing verses here and here, here and there together. However, the Bible is very clear uh, that Jesus uh, is, is above the angels, that you and I are in whatever order that is, that we are below the abilities of the angels. Angels are just simply servants. The word in the Greek means simply a servant, and they do the bidding of God, and they do whatever He wills, uh, and they accomplish the things that He needs to accomplish uh, in this world. So Michael is mentioned a few times. Uh, one of those won't be on the screen, but I'll, you can look it up at home, is uh, Jude, uh, verse ninth verse of Jude, and uh, it it tells us about the <clears throat> little bit of an interesting um, verse. It says, the, uh, Even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him. But he said, The Lord rebuke you. Now, <laughs> that verse brings a, whole, a lot of whole other questions. But uh, Michael, again, is one that's mentioned here and there in the Old Testament and the New. Uh, but he is absolutely uh, below at Jesus and he he and Jesus are very different. Jesus is superior both to human beings and to angels, however strong they are. Uh, let's look at a verse on the screen which is from Hebrews chapter 1. The writer there makes this very clear. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. The Bible is very clear. Jesus and the angels are very different. And uh, Jesus is worthy of our worship and angels are not. All right. Let me take just a moment and invite you to study the Bible in a way that we think is very helpful. Uh, we've got some courses that we're happy to share with you. They're free Bible study materials. And, uh, all you got to do is call in or log on the website and tell us you'd like one, and we'll get them started for you. Uh, there's eight lessons in the first series, and it's a good way to learn about the Bible. It's a very basic, non-denominational uh, Bible study. starts out about the Old Testament and the New Testament and explains the difference and then goes into other topics. Uh, you do it in your own home, privacy of your own home, uh, 
with your Bible, sit down, take as long as you want to complete a lesson and uh, return it to us and we'll score it for you and send it back with another lesson. It gives you a little accountability and keeps you going. So uh, we've got a lot of people that have gone through not only this course, but some more advanced courses that we have and they've learned a lot about the Bible and we're happy to provide that absolutely free of charge. So if you're interested, uh, call that number or log on, say I want that free course and we'll get you one started. Okay, I got a question about the Churches of Christ. Uh, you know from our ads about congregations that we are sponsored by the Churches of Christ and uh, around here, but uh, this viewer wants to know about the Church of Christ. Uh, does the Church of Christ have a board or president uh, that runs the church? Well, interesting question if you don't know much about the Churches of Christ, but that's one of our distinguishing marks, I guess, is no, we don't have any hierarchy. We don't have any uh, president or board or anything above the local congregation. Uh, the, the word for that is autonomous. Uh, each congregation of the Churches of Christ are autonomous, self-ruling. Uh, we do cooperate and we do things together and have area-wide events sometime, uh, but as far as the operation, the running the church, is the way our viewer put it, uh, no, each congregation is responsible for themselves. Uh, two reasons we do that, and let me just give you a little bit of background. Uh, number one, our attempt, is, our effort, is what we want to do is just follow the New Testament. Uh, we believe that although unity is very, very unlikely and the world of Christianity, the only way that would ever work is if everybody just followed the New Testament. I just did only what it said and didn't add anything to it. Uh, just speak where the Bible speaks is one of the famous slogans. So that's our goal. That's what we try to do. And so when we sit down and read the New Testament about the organization of the church and how the church was run, if you want to put it that way, uh, all we find is elders running a local congregation. Uh, let me read you two verses that show you that, and then we'll talk about another reason. So let's go to Acts chapter 14. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So as Paul and Barnabas traveled around on missionary trips, when they started the new church, uh, they appointed elders for that church. Uh, next verse is uh, Titus 1.4, and this is Paul writing to Titus, who was a young preacher, and he said, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So wherever there was a group of Christians meeting, Titus was supposed to go to that congregation and appoint some elders for them to run the church. So that's all we read in the New Testament. We don't read about any hierarchy above that. We don't read about any other titles, uh, any other boards or presidents or anything. So that's the first reason we do that. Second reason is from history, uh, we see that God had a pretty good plan there. What happened in history is that men decided, well, we're going to organize the church at a higher level than that. And they basically ended up copying the Roman government. They put together this church government that was pyramidal in shape and finally had one man at the top that ran the whole church. Well, it didn't work very well. Uh, 
what it did is led off into apostasy and false teaching and messed up a lot of things. So we see from history uh, that you build a hierarchy, it just changes things. It makes the whole ship go down sometimes. So we believe God's plan has been proven the best individual congregations, self-governing with elders that lead in that congregation, uh, and that's it. I will say one other thing about this. I've got a good friend that's uh, pretty... Uh, very involved in a major denomination and usually when we talk he tells me something about he wants to get done at his congregation or they got this effort they want to do or whatever and they can't get it approved by the, the hierarchy. They can't get the money designated. They can't get anything done. And He's always complaining about how tough it is to get anything done. Uh, of course I tell him if it was just Church of Christ and they were autonomous they could get things done. Uh, not have to go through that hierarchy that we don't read about in the Bible. So anyhow, that's how Churches of Christ are operated and hope that helps you understand that a little bit. Okay, good answer. Uh, next uh, question, someone wants to know, does it matter if you are baptized as a baby or an adult? <clears throat> and the answer to that is yes, it does matter. In fact, the Bible doesn't speak of any uh, babies being baptized. Um, because the, the the word, in fact, I think most of the time when we quote unquote baptize babies today, uh, it's not even the original word meant to immerse, to dip, to plunge. Many times babies are just uh, sprinkled because we don't want to put babies under the water. But there's more to it than that. Uh, there is a significant difference. Jesus said that there are, you know, the the, the gift of grace is free to everyone. Uh, but there's a way in which a person says, yes, I, I want to find that gift of grace through Jesus Christ. I want to have that. I want to receive it and accept it. And uh, Jesus and the apostles pointed out uh, different things that, that must be done. In Mark chapter 16, verse 16, right at the end of the gospel, he said, Jesus himself said, whoever <clears throat> believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. We know that belief is absolutely crucial. Well, a, a baby doesn't have the maturity of mind or the capability of thought in such a way that they can make it a decision for him or herself that I believe in Jesus. You know, when a baby's baptized, uh, sprinkled, it's having that done to them. That, that child's not making it for themselves. Uh, Peter said that... Uh, uh, when he preached at Pentecost, he said that uh, to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we know that you've got to repent, to turn away, to, to feel a, a remorse and a sorrow for your sin. Well, babies can't do that. They don't even understand what sin is. Uh, and of course, baptism, we talked about that, that immersion is what baptism is. And, uh, and that's not even practiced, to my knowledge, anywhere. Um, it's always a sprinkling, which is there's a different word for that. But all of these examples, just to say, oh, and confession, confessing that you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Um, now many children, of course, babies can't talk. And so they can't do for themselves any of the things required of saving faith, which allows one to receive the gift of grace of Jesus. So uh, babies cannot do that. And as such, we believe that they are in a safe state, they're, uh, a, 
a safe estate, rather, and that they are not, um, we call it accountable uh, for any uh, sins until they become to such an age where they can be aware and make those decisions for themselves. Faith, belief, unbelief, repentance, confession, all of those things are things that must come from the heart, that must be an individual's choice. And so, uh, no, a, a, a baby can't be baptized and, and, and do uh, be brought to Christ uh, in the way that an adult can because of their uh, abilities and their stage that they are at in their development. Uh, now, I will s stop here for a second and say if there's Christian parents that desire to uh, declare their desire to raise their child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and they want to have a baby blessing of some sort to say that they are committed to raising this little boy or little girl uh, in, in a God-fearing, Bible-centered home and, and they're committed to doing that, there's nothing wrong with that. But just understand that that's uh, a decision that that child must make for him or herself at some point along the way. Let's read Romans 6, 3 through 4 as we finish out this thought. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. It's a wonderful decision, but it's one a baby is not able to make. Right, he wants to know, was Mary Magdalene a prostitute? And the answer is she may have been, but the Bible doesn't say anything about that. Uh, there's no evidence to that effect. I know it's kind of an urban legend. People kind of call her that all the time and talk about it as if it's fact, but uh, just not in the Bible. Let's look at two verses and we'll see all we need to know. Uh, and here's where the confusion probably came from. Luke chapter 7, at the end of the chapter, it talks about a woman of the city who was a sinner, probably a prostitute, uh, came in to where Jesus was dining with the Pharisee and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. And the Pharisee said, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Okay, So there's a story about that woman. Doesn't give us a name, doesn't tell us who she is. Now, a few verses later in Luke chapter 8 and verse 2, Mary Magdalene is mentioned. And it says, Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. So we know she had had some demons and they were cast out somehow and that's all we know about her. And somehow those two stories have kind of got put together uh, and Mary's kind of got a bad rap I think, uh, although she may have been, the Bible just doesn't say she was. All right, let me take this moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. We talked a little bit about Churches of Christ earlier and our restoration plea and trying to be unified just by doing what the Bible says. Uh, we're supported by Churches of Christ around the country, even though they're autonomous and can do support what they want. Many of them choose to help support Know Your Bible. And one is up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the Southeastern Church of Christ. Great bunch of folks up there. Uh, believe in the work of Know Your Bible and help us stay on the air up there and uh, we appreciate that. And if you live in that neighborhood, drop in and visit them sometime. 
maybe you know somebody that's a member at the Southeastern Church, uh, tell them you appreciate the program and thank them for helping keep it on the air. And whatever market you live in, there's probably a Church of Christ pretty close to you. Drop in and visit them sometime if you're looking for a church or all right, Toby. Yes, a viewer wants to know, are all Bible translations the same? And the answer to that, no, they are. there is quite a bit of a variation from translation to translation, and that's okay. A lot of English translations, we're looking for the balance between two things. The first is accuracy. Uh, how, how word for word is this with the original language, which the New <coughs> Testament would have been Greek and the uh, Old Testament would have been Hebrew, and how accurate it is. I have a Greek interlinear uh, Bible which gives the Greek and the exact English translation word for word. It's very, very accurate. However, it's not very readable. It's very hard to understand. That's the second factor is readability. You want the most accurate translation you can find that is the most readable at your level. And that depends on your maturity and your reading ability. Uh, so find a good one. Uh, uh, on this program, we use New American Standard, English Standard Version, and the NIV. Uh, and uh, all of those are, are fine. If you want to check them out for yourself, go to BibleGateway.com. There you can look at most of the modern English translations for yourself and see all the differences. Alrighty. Somebody wants to know who was the first person baptized in the New Testament. Who was the first one called a Christian? Well, I can answer one of those, but not, not both of them. <laughs> uh, we don't know who was the first one baptized. It was one of 3,000 people. We know that much on the day of Pentecost when the church started. Now, John's baptism was before that, and we don't know who was his first uh, baptizee either. But uh, on the day of Pentecost, there were 3,000 baptized. And then you go through the book of Acts. After that, there were more and more added to their number, and then some Samaritans, and uh, you can read them all, but we don't know the first one. Now, the Bible does say something about where the name Christian came from. Let's look at that together. Acts 11, verse 26 uh, says, The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So, in Antioch was the first time somebody started calling these Christ followers, uh, called them Christians. Before that, they were just called the way and lots of other things, but uh, most of them were called heretics, I think. But, <laughs> but uh, they began to call them Christians in the city of Antioch. So, that's the first we know of. All right, let's make sure we get our trivia question answered today. And it's about how many... Uh, men did Gideon take to war, and the Bible says that he ended up taking 300 to war in Judges 7, which wasn't very many people take to war back then, uh, but that was the point. He started out with a whole lot, and God said, that's too many. And he whittled it down, and God said, that's still too many. Now, that doesn't make sense to us, but God's reasoning was, if you win with this huge army, you'll think you won. And I'm going to show you that I will win this battle. So he cut the number down to 300, and it was an amazing victory. And at the end of it, everybody knew that God won that war. So uh, that was the answer, 300 of them. Uh, let me go back for just a second to your question about translations. If you ever might have meant, are they all the same, and that are they all good enough uh, mm -hmm. for us to find out God's will? And I think we'd agree that in yeah. general, yes, yeah. there's some that are done by a specific group or religion yeah. that has changed things. But if you get a good committee translation, yeah, you can find God's will. 
<laughs> we're yeah, glad you've been with us. We've got to quit here. Yeah. We're glad you've been with us today, and we're going to come back next week and answer some more questions. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.